Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. You are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. So happy Friday. And we are ending this week on a wonderful, wonderful note. You are going to love this guest that we have today, this interview. And, you know, she is so part of what this week was even about. It was really about women. And it was all about what every man needs to know about women, what we wish they would know. So we're kind of ending on this poignant note with a very famous author, Karen Kingsbury, and I'm sure I don't really have to tell you who she is, but I'm going to introduce her to you anyways. She is a number one New York Times bestselling novelist and is really one of America's favorite inspirational storytellers, and she has more than 25 million copies of her award-winning books that are in print, and the last dozen have topped the bestseller list. Uh, it, it's really, truly phenomenal, and many of her her books are going to be really made into Hallmark films and many other, maybe some other motion pictures. So she does a whole entire series on the Baxter family, and she's also an adjunct professor of writing at Liberty University. So she's married to her husband, Don. They have uh, three adopted boys from Haiti that doubled their family in a matter of months. And so she really joins ranks with empty nesters. She lives in Tennessee. She does live near her five children and with their, also their children. So, Karen, thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. Well, it's very exciting. And so this new book that your um, publicist sent me, To the Moon and Back, it's really quite inspiring. It's re- and it's already a New York um, bestselling it's really already on the New York bestselling list, so that's really phenomenal. And I'm going to let you tell the just the listeners a little bit about this story, but I do want to ask you, and we talked about this off-air, and I told you, oh, you need to tell them this. What really inspired this book, how this came about, and how timely it is in terms of its content and where our nation is and the, the just the struggle and strife that we are having in our nation? It really is. Um, you know, it was 10 years ago that I was on tour with Women of Faith, and we went through Oklahoma City, and we all decided that we would go to the Oklahoma City bombing, the memorial. They have a memorial that's set up there in the middle of the city, and it is so profound. It's very, it's a very serene kind of a um, place, but it's also very deep, and there's just so much to take in. And I wasn't connected to the bombing in any way personally, but I did see this chain-link fence, and it's a piece of the fence that they left there so that people who come can leave a trinket or a flower or a photo for someone that they've lost. And I was looking at the fence, and there was this baseball cap, and written on it in Sharpie, it said, I survived this, but I can't survive losing you. I I have no idea who it was written for, why it was written, but it just like started this idea of a story of what it would really mean, a love story about surviving and about healing. And, um, you know, that's kind of where I was began. It's really quite amazing how it addresses loss in a way, I think, that 
is different than, you know, what I do. I'm a psychotherapist, and so I am walking people through the grief and loss process. But this book actually just lets people get into somebody else's life. And many times when we're dealing with a great loss, it's easier to kind of feel what somebody else might feel as a way to feel our own loss and grief. And this idea, this is a national uh, tragedy that occurred in Oklahoma City. And the impact, you know, this is what's so amazing that God shows us that Satan never wins. People's lives always matter whether they're here or not. And, and they keep going. Their lives keep meaning something. And that's really what you've done for this tragedy, this, this Oklahoma bombing, is that you made these people's mm. lives continue to be me- meaningful and to help people not, not forget. And so I think it's really profound. Mm, well, thank you. And there's something very um, dramatic at the memorial that if people haven't been, there's a, a really giant kind of cement block wall, and it's um, marble at the top, and then there's a bronze piece at the very top. And etched into it, you know, eight feet high are the numbers uh, 901 on one side. And on the other side of the memorial is an equally large wall, kind of like a gate almost, like a, um, it's a structure that's, I mean, it stands about 10 stories high, so it's very big. And at the top of that one, it says 903. And the meaning is that 901 is the minute before the bombing happened. Everything was, was wonderful and great, and all these people worked at the building, and things, life was perfect. And then the, the 903 is the first minute of healing, because right in the middle is when the bombing happened. But as soon as bombing happened, starting at 903, we have to find that way to pick up the pieces and move on with our lives. And for my two characters who, um, who met when they were 16, they both lost their parents in the bombing in, the, in my book, To the Moon and Back. And now they meet when they were, they met when they were 16, had a strong connection, but they've lost touch with each other. And they still can't stop thinking about each other and, and kind of how the bombing didn't happen just to the world or to exactly. the city of Oklahoma. It happened to them. Right. It's so powerful that you say, you know, I loved that. I looked it up on it. Uh, you know, I was reading it through and I made note of it before I recognized in the, that you had made note of it as well. You know, in terms of a question at the end of the book, what does 903 mean to you? And, you know, it's that power of a minute. And I did a paper on that and I did a show about the power of a minute and what can happen in one minute. And that mm-hmm. we are to really be reverent about time. And it's hard to do. And, I, and what I did was I said, you know, that God really impressed upon me what time means and what one minute down to one minute. And he had me calculate how many minutes I had been alive. It was my birthday. I think I was 53. Mm-hmm. And it was like 571 billion, 881 million minutes. And, you know, mm-hmm. for the characters in this book, for anyone that survived a tragedy like this or any tragedy, you know, mm-hmm. one minute is when it happens. It happens in one minute. And then you have to get to the next minute, you know, and that's really what this 901 to 903 in two minutes. And, and I think it's so poignant that you mentioned it. I love these um, questions at the back of the book. And I wondered, have you had people, like, have you gotten any feedback as to whether or not those questions were helpful and, help, and meaningful to them? I really have. The letters have, I mean, it just came out that you know, when people reach to the moon and back, they they get to the end, they see those questions, and that's when God uses the power of story to work through the back door of their heart, that's and right. suddenly they realize it's been speaking to their situation. I mean, it might be the loss of a loved one or a breakup, or I mean, it doesn't have to be as grand, 
same things as kind of like the Oklahoma City bombing, and it still is speaking to people about healing and about what God's drawing them to next. It's really, it's really quite amazing because this, this whole idea of what's going on in our country right now, we have people that are so bereft, so strung out on their life, so detached from other humans they're, that there isn't the same bonding and connection. And, and they're able to do these heinous acts, even yet they're still humans as well, but they're not even acting as humans. And so mm-hmm. I, I just think this is so powerful how such beauty comes out of such heartache. I mean, I see it every day in my office, but I love when I see it in written form and people get to really sit and immerse themselves in it and experience this beautiful story about this, you know, the other character, who's the young woman that came in and said, I'm going to find this this person for this young man? Mm-hmm. Yes, Ashley. Yes. I Talk a little bit about mm-hmm. how that, it went from, you know, he really wants to find her to somebody that didn't even know him intervened and helped on his behalf. Well, you know, it's funny. I mean, I feel like we pray every day in our family for divine appointment. Yes, that the indeed. Lord would uh, allow us to cross paths with somebody that really needed us to be in their life for that minute. You know, for some reason, and it was amazing how He answers that. It's, I mean, it's beyond any kind of coincidence. And that was kind of how Ashley, and this is Ashley Baxter Blake. So Ashley is one of the Baxters from the Baxter family, which is going to be a TV series starting up in the fall. Uh, wow. The Baxters. So people love her already, and, you right. know, it's kind of her nature to take a few steps towards something rather than kind of mind her own business. <laughs> um, and so she's standing there. She sees Brady put this note for Jenna in the fence, and he's been doing this every year for 10 years since he first met her, looking for her, hoping she'll come. And she doesn't live in, in the state anymore, and it's, it moves on to her own life, but she's never forgotten him. She has a different last name because she had a husband who then eventually left her. So he just can't find her, and he leaves so he leaves a note for her every single year. Ashley watches this, and she can't resist when he leaves, you know, thinking, I wonder what it says. So she opens it, takes a photo of it, and then reads it later and, you know, puts the note, of course, back in the fence and decides that it must be up to her. She right. can definitely find this girl <laughs> as involved as well. And her family, of course, is crazy, but sometimes God does use us in wild and crazy ways. I, I think it's phenomenal because it, it's really an example. There's so many teaching moments in this book, I have to tell you, you know, and that's a teaching moment. It's like when we feel that inspiration from the Holy Spirit, you know, our world kind of teaches us to ignore it because it may be kind of out of the box or who do you think you are or why would you put that effort into someone you don't know? But I think, you you know, in that instance, you really gave a lot of other people that may have not had a tragedy to this extent but maybe find themselves crossing paths with someone that had this type of tragedy and just letting the original, you know, how original the Holy Spirit is that he knows everyone and saying, hey, you feel something about this stranger? Do something. I, right. I, I just exactly. think it's so powerful. Yeah, we, I mean, it's so easy to just keep on walking by. And this, you know, this wasn't, a, you know, an unconventional kind of thing. But like right. you said, when you have that prompting from the Holy Spirit to not ignore it. right. I, and, you know, and I, I also noticed, I, I love that you addressed another thing that seems to constantly be surfacing is this uh, one of the questions in the back of the book. I think it's number 18. It says, God's not the reason for bad things that happen. He is the rescue. I mean, that is like a call out like nothing I've ever heard. <laughs> I mean, that's tremendous. Oh. And really asking people, what does that sentence mean to you? You know, have you struggled with God before on that? Have you blamed God for things? 
you know so what what did you see in that in that question alone well, you know, for me, Jenna and Brady, the two, again, you know, they were five years old when they lost their parents and my book to the moon and back and, um, in, the, in the Oklahoma City bombing. And they both have had their different times when they blamed God for it. Jenna does so earlier on and then realizes the faith of her, of her parents and her grandmother who ended up raising her after she lost her parents in the bombing. Um, they had this faith and it was beautiful and she begins to learn that it you know, he, Jesus is not the reason for the bad things that happen. It's a fallen, broken world. But right. he is the rescue. He has grabbed onto that rescue, and she actually is living at a very strong faith. And because her first marriage, she married a guy who did not share her faith, and it ended exactly. so badly. She promised God, never again unless the guy believes in you like I do. So now enter Brady, this guy she's been longing for and thinking of ever since she met him when she was 16, but he is adamantly against and opposed to God. If there's a God, then how in the world could he have taken away his mom when he was five years old in this terrible act? So he's he's walking around in a painful place, which I think that's where the teaching kind of comes, is being able to watch Brady go through something that is a very normal response to something tragic. I think that's really amazing. I heard a quote that said, you know, fear never conquered anything. But we have that beautiful verse that says, love conquers all fear. And so the fear of loving again when you lose someone is so profound and so difficult. And having faith in an entity that you can't see or touch except through people, you know, that it's it's such Mm -hmm. uh, so powerful when you put that in in story form and people get to see how someone walked it out. You know, Yes, go ahead. Yeah, Brady, I mean, in this case, in this situation, Brady, when he meets, when he connects finally with Jenna, which is, you know, a beautiful part of the story, but he can't understand how she could have faith in God. Like, in his mind, I mean, and it's true. I mean, God could have stopped it. Okay. And that's the hard place. We, sometimes we get hung up on that. And in my book, To the Moon and Back, I try really hard to show through this love story that you have to wrestle with these things, and ultimately you have to decide whether you're going to hang on to Jesus you know, as, as your Savior and God as the uh, Creator and the one who has your best interest in heart. If you're going to hold on to Him or if you're going to you know, kind of fall into this place of the world, like you said, where anything goes, anything happens, and, and craziness is reigning. Exactly. So that, you know, the healing part of, of this book is watching these two in this love story wrestle with the reality um, that Jesus is the rescue and not the reason for the bad things that happen. I love that. I, I mean, I think that, what, you know, I really have been wanting to ask you this question. What was it like to write this? I mean, this sounds like it would be soul-wrenching at some points to, to, to write this. Oh, it was. I mean, I definitely had times when my husband or one of my kids would come in the room and I'd be writing and just wiping tears. Yes, yes. Kind of like almost, you know, sobs. I mean, you know, my dad used to say, you know, he's passed away now almost a decade ago, but when I was starting to write and I was writing emotional fiction like this, he would say, it's okay if people cry because that's when a little bit of the ice that has gathered around the heart is melting. He said, you know, the world tends to be, um, you know, it's a hard place and ice can build up around our heart. We can get hard and callous. You can see that by the stories in the news and what we're going through. That we, can, we can just get numb to the sadness and the heartache around us. But when you cry, 
you know, like you will in a book like <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, my gosh, yes. A little bit of that ice is melting. I, you know, I love that you use that analogy. I use that so frequently with clients. I say, you know, they're like, this just hurts so much. And I'll say to them, you know, it's the same thing if you've been skiing, you know, and your hands and feet freeze. And it hurts so bad they're frozen. But when they start to mm. thaw out, it's even worse sometimes. But once they're mm. fully thawed out, Very the good. flexibility that you have and how good it feels, it's getting people through that thawing out process. And, and so this book is so helpful. You know, this book, To the Moon and Back, is so helpful in getting people to feel things again if they're willing to. Uh, I totally agree. I mean, you know, it, it really will. I think, you know, the fact that it's a love story, it lets you just sort of fall into it. And then you get to walk through the situation with them and you get to see the wrestling that Brady does. And I think we have, we can all relate. I've read once, you know, somewhere that we're either coming out of a tragedy or we're headed toward one or we're right in the middle of it. I mean, you know, whether that's a financial crisis or a health crisis, um, you know, somebody you love going through something. And so we need to know how do we cope with that? How do we grab onto God and never let go? even in the midst of the most difficult situations. And, you know, it's funny, I'll get letters from people already. I've heard from people who've read To the Moon and Back, and they say, this book changed my life and helped me to look at my situation in such a more hopeful way. So even though Absolutely. you're going to cry, it leaves you with hope. Oh, I love that. So so this whole this is this particular one going to be one of the made-for-TV dramas? Yeah, you know, it's... Um, is this going to be part of it? Right I know they're doing... At it. Yeah. Yeah, they're not... They're Right now, I've I've had four books that were made into movies for right. Hallmark, and they were like kind of Karen Kingsbury's Maggie's Miracle, Karen Kingsbury's The Bridge, those kind of movies. I don't have a lot more books that will probably be made for Hallmark, because my books are a bit deeper than that, in a way. Right, right. Um, but this one, they're looking at for a... Actually, for a theatrical, like a big screen movie, because of the drama in it and the fact that it touches on a national tragedy that we either went through, like we, we know about it, or we've read about it in our history books at this point. Um, and it, and it's, uh, it's something that kind of we can all connect to in a way. And there were a lot of, I mean, there were you know, nearly 200 people that lost their lives that day. So this is, these are fictitious people, but still it allows us to connect to something that we all have in common and yet narrow in on something that God is speaking only to us. Oh, I will, you know, I will really pray about that because, you know, I'm really seeing in movies, like we had the last one that came out, I can only imagine. And it's like mm-hmm. these types of movies, people are so much more willing to do, do that kind of cinema than they are to go listen to a pastor. And they are able to somehow experience it because, you know, our psyche cannot defend against media. You know, we can defend against mm-hmm. what we're hearing. We can just shut someone out. But, you, you, right. you know, it engages your emotional system. And so when we get people to really see this and walk this out, they get to see it, really the true God instead of the one that everyone's telling them that he is. Definitely. I would love that. To, I'm real, I'll pray for you that that occurs. I know last time we had talked, I think our last interview we was, was last year, and um, we were doing the, you were doing the book In the Moment, I believe. Yes. And you were also mm-hmm. talking with Roma Downey about doing some movies as well. Was that the Hallmark movies that you did? Now, Roma is, um, she has her own network called Lightworkers, and they'll be carried on a platform. So her, her Lightworkers is about ready to launch, and wow. it'll happen at the end of this year. 
And it'll start with my TV series, The Baxters, and it's going to be, um, I mean, think of it as a faith-based, this is us, I would say, would be a good way to look at it. The Baxters have, you know, a lot going on, and there's lots of hardship, but there's also a lot of love and and family and faith going on too. And we have the first season finished, and it's getting ready to launch, and then they're already working on the second one. So um, that's what Rome is working on with me at this point. Oh, congratulations. I, I love so I love to see how God works that works that out. I mean, your all the materials that you create are so filled with living out your integrity and ethics and and getting back to a value system that is a great structure that really helps people if they are willing to live it bring peace to their life. I you know I'm constantly saying to clients, you know, aren't you glad that traffic has a structure to it, <laughs> right? People are not just driving however they want to drive and turning whenever they want and doing whatever they're wanting to do. You know, there's a structure that if you'll adhere to it, no matter how difficult or maybe confining it may feel, it's so much safer and allows for so much more happiness and contentment. And so your books are so value-driven, which our world needs so desperately. Mm, Thank you. You know, it it is really true that at a time like this in our country, um, people need to feel, and one of the things I love hearing, <clears throat> excuse me, I love hearing from prisoners. Um, my, my books are just taking over the, the jails and prisons across the country uh, and even in the world, you know, for wow. men and women. Mm-hmm. And I, I think what's happening, like you said, it's the sermon illustration that we walk away remembering so often. And that's what I get to do with life-changing fiction, you know, a book like To the Moon and Back. It's a love story, it's a tragic story, it's a tearjerker, but it's also filled with so much hope that people who are in the middle of something walk away feeling like they went to visit you. You know, they feel like they've had a session, and they feel like the sermon is going to live on now because of the story. I'm I'm amazed at how well-received all of your books are. I'm not surprised. I mean, they're just phenomenal. (laughs) When someone starts to read them, you can't get out of it. I mean, I know I can't. I start to read. I'm like, okay, I can't get out of this, and it's now twelve o'clock at night, you know. But <laughs> they're they're just so just the style that you have in your writing is so easy to follow. You know, it just kind of leads you to the next word. It's and it's really quite a gift. And I just really am going to be praying for you again that the enemy is not. Um, able to harm you because you do such great work for the kingdom of God and it's reaching into so many areas that you would have never anticipated, I'm sure. Mm, that's true. Thank you so much. That means everything. It's wonderful. Well, I'm excited. Do you, what's the next thing you're doing? I'm working on a book right now that'll be out in November called When We Were Young and it really, it's kind of my nod to A Christmas Carol. It's not a Christmas story per se, but um, the idea that Scrooge was changed in one day. I went to sleep, and in one night, everything changed for him. And it's similar kind of a deal for when we were young. It's a couple, young couple, young kids, um, and the next morning, he's planning to leave. They're getting divorced. And they have this one incredible, you know, night, and um, miraculous things happen. And it's really, it was so powerful for me to write it. I was really thrilled that um, God gave me that. Story. So I'm working on that. And some screenwriting as well for some of the things that will be turned into film. Well, that is exciting. We'll have you back again for your next book. I'm excited to hear more about it. Well, Karen, thank you so much for spending time with us today and just giving us just life to the book just through you. We get to hear how you think about it and how you've experienced it. And just thank you for all the great literature 
that, that you really continue to disseminate. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you, Cynthia. If anyone wants to find out more, they can just go to my website, KarenKingsbury.com. I love it. Thank you again. We'll have you back. Okay. God bless you. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for listening today, and I hope you enjoyed hearing Karen Kingsbury and just the inspirational light look that she has on to life. To today's program again, or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.